Welcome to Discover Ag, where every week we discover what's new in the world of agriculture. I'm your host, Natalie Kavoric. And I'm Tara Vanderdusen. And together we bring you our professional farming opinions on a mix of entertainment, facts, and trending news articles in the ag and food space. We keep our fingers on the pulse so you don't have to. And welcome to episode 64 of Discover Ag. We are back in the mainland, no longer live in Puerto Rico. And thank goodness. I mean, I... (laughs) I loved, don't get me wrong. I loved being live. I loved, um, you know, going down to the conference and doing what we did, but I do not think my heart rate or my stress levels could handle like two back-to-back live episodes. I mean, you were with me. It was terrible. You were killing me. Like (laughs) I could not with you. We just like, I think we prep very different for live situations. Like you are very much like plan it out. And I think I'm maybe a little bit more of a wing it person. And you like, you were like typing away that night. And I was like, what are you doing? What are you writing? I'm so confused. I just, you were making me so stressed. Every time I got my phone out, you're like, what, what are you typing? What are you adding? I'm like, Tara, I'm just refining my notes, but I think it has to come back. Like you're, you speak, I mean, you're a professional speaker. Um, and I, I mean, I have done speaking gigs, but it's not like my main thing. And so I think you're just much more comfortable on this stage. And we talked about this too. I went back and forth between like, do you treat it as a live you know, audience or like a, a recording. So I think that's what was really stressing me. Right. Out. We, we had two audiences to please like mm-hmm. our podcast listeners and our live audience. And so it was like trying to find that balance between keeping it engaging in life, real life. And then for the listeners. Yeah. And for anyone who hasn't listened, it's just one episode back. So go check it out. We were at the American Farm Bureau conference. I was extremely, go see, I was extremely stressed out. Maybe you can tell in the, in the video or by my voice. Maybe you can't, I don't know, but I was extremely stressed out on stage, but it was very fun. It was a great honor. You did say you were going to kill your husband halfway through the podcast. Yeah. So <laughs> I feel like the stress level, not my happen. finest moment. Also, I have a bone to pick with you. So I was listening <laughs> <Okay>. to, <laughs> I know you're like, Oh, great. Happy Monday um, morning. I was listening to the toast podcast. Um, oh, yeah. shout out to them. Cause I'm sure they're listening to us right now, but Claudia was thanking Jackie for all the funny reels she sends her. And I was like, Tara, where is my on-air thank you for all of the amazing reels I send you every single day? Uh, That's actually really funny because I listened to that episode too when I was – I'm at the lake right now, so I was driving up to the lake to deal with some stuff, and I was listening to that episode, and I was like, I I probably don't thank the people in my life, you included, (laughs) enough for the funny reels I get sent. Like Daniel sent me a reel last night that I was literally like rolling. My mom and I were laughing so hard, and I was like, I need to be more thankful for people who send me great reels. Why didn't you send me that reel? What was the reel? You wouldn't have thought it was funny. It was about a cat. Okay. You're not a big cat person. Well, okay. Thank you. You don't know (laughs) that. Maybe I would be rolling on the floor laughing. You don't know. But I'm not a big cat person, so it's also true. Exactly. Um, Have you been following the U of I um, Moscow murders? Um, A little bit. Not... I feel like I was somewhere when it all happened. So I feel like I missed the beginning parts of it. So I don't feel like I've been following it, but I don't think I'm as like invested as maybe other people in this situation. So the reason I have been is because, uh, so Moscow is where my cousin went and it's only like seven or eight miles from, uh, WSU, which is where I went for my first two years of college. And so I'm very like familiar with like the Pullman Moscow area. And with my cousin being there, my freshman year in college, I actually spent a ton more time on the Moscow campus and she was part of Greek life too. And so I don't know, I felt like it just kind of hit really close to home. And I was actually with my cousin 
when we found out about it. And so I don't know. I feel like I've been like wrapped up, like you said, just wrapped up in it a little bit more. But I was listening to um, Popologist podcast, which shout out to them. They're definitely not listening, but I love them. But they have they had the funniest cameo about because he did, you know, you probably didn't know this, but he's vegan. I well. did know that. I knew okay. that. I like it. I got, I feel like I got into it more when they found the killer. And so I've been like listening to all of that jazz. They had the funniest. Cause we covered this on the podcast with that Sam, um, what Friedman. Friedman. Yes. And how he was using it to request. And they had the funniest cameo about how they're like, weren't that's like we're not going to give a quadruple homicide guy the food he wants they're like give him the grub and tell him to be quiet like I don't know their podcast had me rolling about you know requesting vegan they're like um it reminds me of like do you remember all of those probably not you weren't on twitter at this point but there for a while when Michelle Obama was um doing the school lunch program people were sharing pictures of their kids school lunches and it was like brown mush like it was really really gross <laughs> it's like who, who wherever that food is that's what yeah. that guy gets like he gets the brown mush that you're not even sure what it is you don't know what's in it like that's what that guy needs to get um all right well moving on to the meat of the episode and what we'll be covering for our top three industry news pieces you guys need to know this week one we have some big name professional athletes that are investing in iowa farmland I um went down Twitter Twitter rabbit hole with this you one in the did. comment section. I did. I did. I, I am did. shook. I am shocked because yes. I did it. I this actually I'm very excited for this conversation now because normally I'm the one deep diving Twitter for something. You hardly ever go on there. You log on and you have like 15 notifications from me from Twitter. <laughs> and then I just repost everything that you and Fieldwork post. And that's well, literally I'm so my curious. Like what was going on? I didn't even know this was on Twitter. Oh, oh. it's on Twitter. Oh, all right. I am so curious. Okay. Uh, our second news piece will be California's statewide ban on fur is officially in effect. As a person who is currently shopping for a fur coat, I have a lot to say about this. So just buckle up. Oh my gosh. I had no idea. <laughs> I am like on the hunt for, well, you know, I just got that uh, leather jacket too. I got a leather jacket on sale post Christmas. Yes. We'll get into it, but I've been like kind of slowly diving, tipping my toes in the fur coat shopping market. I'm actually not shocked knowing you so well. Um, okay. Well, gosh, I was so excited for this episode. I texted you before how excited I was. And now I'm like, am I'm amped for this episode. I'm, knowing I'm here have- for it. I'm ready. We are like back from the new year better than ever. We're back from, we're on the mainland again. We're feeling ourselves. Okay. <laughs> uh, the third industry news you guys need to know this week um, is a new study out so excited for this. A new study out showing red meat is not a health risk. Can we get an amen? Amen. You know who covered this in a great, really great reel was Big Sky Caroline. She did a reel, not about this study, but about the old studies and how terrible they were. Yeah. She did such a great job. So I have that pulled up on my phone for us to talk about too when we dive into this because she did a phenomenal job covering it. Amazing. All right. Well, before we dive into all of that, we want to remind you guys, as we do every episode, that every month we host a giveaway to say thank you for listening to the Discover podcast. All you have to do to be entered is share a podcast to social channels or leave us a review. And at the end of the month and every single month, we pick one lucky winner, one very lucky winner, and send them a bag of all of our favorite things. So as you are listening, be sure you are sharing. All right. Um, so there is a, a viral post you guys have been going around seeing likely Lucky Charms healthier than steak. And we're going to cover 
um, kind of right. Joe, Joe Rogan and Fox news and a couple of people got it wrong. So stay tuned for more details on that. We'll wrap it up at the end. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Going into our first news piece. I originally saw this from bleacher report. Um, my friend Amanda sent it to me. So the title is Joe Burrow, Blake Griffin, around 20 more athletes buy Iowa farm for roughly 5 million. So athletes are often looking for unique ways to invest their money and farming could be the new hot trend in 2023. Cincinnati Bengals star Joe Burrow and Boston Celtics veteran Blake Griffin are part of a group that is purchasing a 104 acre soy and corn farm in Iowa for about 5 million. The group will then lease the land to farmers while earning an annual return on investment. Take it away. Tom. Yeah, they Twitter is all up in arms about how much they paid. So there's some like controversy. They, they what did they put in the news article? It said five million. Is that right? Yes, five million. I said that twice. So you clearly Sorry. you don't listen to what I say unless I miss something, and then you are all over calling me out. <laughs> okay, well, five million dollars for a hundred and four acre farm. Like a lot of people on Twitter, are like the numbers don't add up. But I think it's actually, if you dive, I think it's that they're using $5 million to buy this farm and like a couple other farms. So it's not just this farm. They're looking at like a watermelon farm in Oregon. Like it's a whole like investment portfolio strategy, not this single one-off farm. But everyone's like, that doesn't make any sense. Like no one's paying that much for Iowa farmland. So if you're in Iowa, like I'd love to know what farmland's going for. Like did they overpay? Did I'm, I'm confused at how much they paid for 104 acres. Yeah, you are right. So it is through a, and I had it, I thought I had it written down like the uh, corporation that's like heading it. And they're also, as you're right, they're also looking at buying at least four more properties. Yeah. Um, Cause that was one of my notes is, well, so, okay. I mean, getting out of this, that like in the weed section of it, how do you feel about like athletes owning this farmland or like buying it? Like big picture takeaway. Um, I don't know why anyone's surprised. Like, I feel like we talked, we covered Bill Gates buying farmland as investment. Like, I think that people see buying land right now as good investment. So I don't, I, I don't see how it's any different than buying, than buying anything else that's an investment. So nowhere in the Twitter was anyone like concerned about like absentee land. Like, are people expressing that? Concern oh, yeah. that, like, Lots of people are saying novel ideas. Maybe we should pay farmers enough for them to be able to own their own land instead of have to lease it from millionaire yeah. athletes. For right. sure. That was a big thread. And I, I, I don't disagree with that. I just, I guess I'm not surprised that investors are looking for places to invest money. Yeah. So I guess not surprised we have the same <laughs> thought process. Like I'm, I'm not shocked either. Like everyone, if you have money, you know that like farmland is going to be an amazing investment. And I think that, like you said, like we covered Bill Gates doing it. Um, the Mormon church is a huge owner of farmland, like Ted Turner's like there, this isn't like you said, a novel idea. I do think it's like splashier because of the names of it. And so I do think it's like For drawing sure. in more attention, like, Oh, Blake Griffin. But when I looked him up, he's already actually, he has a website of like his different investments and he's already branched into agriculture in two different spaces. He has, um, apple harvest, which is like an indoor farm. And he also has lemon perfect, which is a lemonade drink company that they source like with local, or like I think farm ground. And so I'm not like, after I found that out, I'm like, I'm not even shocked that he's like looking into like other aspects of the agriculture and like land space. Yeah. I saw the same thing. And so I felt like, yeah, this seemed like a natural extension to me. It seemed like he was already kind of like dabbling in it and was like, Hey friends, like let's yeah. do this together. Um, and I think like 
the their strategy is to make single digit returns year over year. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think one of the conversations on Twitter was that they hope that they will lease it to farmers for a reasonable price. Yeah. So that actually, when Luke and I were talking about it, he's like, I mean, he's, he didn't have like major concerns about it, but he's like, it'd be amazing if out of this, we could see them like create opportunity for young people, especially maybe like a first generation farmer that's like looking to get into the space, doesn't have, you know, the land or the family to go back to. Um, and with how capital intensive it is to start, like this would be a great opportunity for someone who wants to get into agriculture. So I think that'll be an interesting thing to follow with it. Like, and I don't even know if that would even be released, like if you would find out, but it would be really cool to see like, you know, who ends up being the, the people that they employ on it. Yeah. And how their relationship with them works. I mean, some people have great relationships with the people they lease their land from and some people don't like it will just be, I feel like they're going to want being that they're in the public eye. I would guess they will be good. Like, how would you say that? Leasey? What, what is it? Leaser? What? A, I yeah, don't know leasers, what the word is. I think. Okay. Well, so, not put money on that bet. <laughs> Me neither. I am not I think it's Leaser and Leasey. You're a Leasey. Okay. Whichever that is, uh, I would imagine they'll be good at, would want to be good because they're going to be in the news about this. Like, I don't, yeah. I just think there's going to be like spotlight on this. So I don't know. It'll be an interesting story to kind of cover and like, or uh, follow and see what happens with it and see like what the farmers, it'd be so interesting to see what farmers lease it from them and what their neighboring farmers think about it. Mm-hmm. It'll be also interesting to see if they end up changing it for, from corn and soy to something else, which I don't know. Um, the conversation I saw, this will stay a corn and soybean. And then the other farms they're looking at will be different variety yeah. or like specialty crops. Like I said, like watermelon in Oregon. Yeah. So it sounds like they're keeping this corn and soybean. Well, stay tuned. We'll, uh, the entire nation will stay tuned, especially people in Iowa. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I feel like we're like over here further West and we're like talking. It's like, that's why I said, I would love to know what Iowa thinks about this. Um, all right. Our second news piece you guys need to know this week is actually a press release that was um, put out at the end of December. The title was California's statewide ban on animal fur products officially takes effect. So on January 1st, California's ban on the sale and manufacturing of new animal fur products takes effect across the state. Assembly Bill 44, which passed in 2019, makes California the first state in the country to take this monumental step to end the fur trade within its borders. Um, it was sponsored by the Humane Society of the United States and the animal. Of course it was. I know in legislation and it gained a lot of support from local national and international animal protection organizations. Um, assembly member Friedman, who was a big champion behind this quoted or and quote, California's do not want to see animals live and die in cruel ways for nothing more than fashion. And I'm so pleased that this low law will help upload our state's animal welfare standards, as well as potentially help drive innovation for more sustainable fashion alternatives, end quote. Uh, hilarious little note on her quote. Californians actually do want fur. They spent $129 million on fur last year. They were the largest purchaser of fur as a state out of an, our entire country. So no, actually they do want fur. This is a humane society push. Yeah. So that's one of the things I found interesting about that is that, um, like you say, California is the leading with 129 million followed by New York 
with almost 115 million. So together, California and New York make up nearly 43% of all first sales in the country. Um, so it's interesting that California, I mean, I'm not interested. In, I mean, it's not surprising that they're taking this stance, but it also is knowing that like a majority of people who are going to be like mostly upset about this is going to be their own state. Yep. I thought that was so funny too. And now a lot of the brands are also following suit. So Neiman Marcus, um, Saks Fifth Avenue, Macy's, Bloomingdale are all going fur free by the end of 2022. So officially done with fur as well. So I found that very interesting too, that you were having those independent change following suit. And I think you and I talk a lot about this when things like this take into effect. Sometimes it's not so much the law that's taking place. It's like, what's the next thing that they're going to do after this or who is going to be motivated by it? Like, it's like the ripple effect of what that one passing does. We kind of talked about that with prop 12 when we covered that. And so I was kind of like, Oh, like it's already having ramifications of other people following suit. So I mentioned I've been trying to buy, I, I shouldn't say I'm trying to buy. I've been like kind of, I want a fur coat. So I've been like keeping my eye on the market when we were at um, NFR, like Cowboy does- Christmas. How does one keep their eye on the market? Like, I don't don't, even know where, how that goes. So now is a really good time to buy coats because it's post Christmas. So everything goes on sale. Like I just bought a leather jacket and I think I told you I got it like 50% off and it was like, it's an amazing price. Um, And so fur and leather typically go on sale after Christmas. So I've been like kind of watching, I watched like some jackets I liked before Christmas, seeing what their sale price is now. Um, and just like scoping it out. And there is like, nobody carries fur anymore. I'm realizing like my mom has a couple fur jackets. And so I asked her where she got them and she's like, Oh, like blah, 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 what website or whatever, or, you know, this store. And literally they have like one jacket now that is fur. And all the rest is faux fur, which really irks me, if I may say so, because if we know the number one plastic in the oceans right now, contaminant is faux, whatever, faux material, faux leather, faux fur. I mean, that's what I had written down for my thoughts. So I, this is interesting. This is the first time that you and I, I think as far, like, not that we have disagreements, but this is the first time on the podcast. I feel like we've had differing viewpoints. I don't really have an interest in owning fur. It's not really appealing to me. And I think I am a little bit maybe on the side that I don't want to say like I'm disgusted by it, but I am a little bit like, I don't know. Fur is just Are you going to throw paint on me when you see me <laughs> in my fur coat? Natalie has like no, red but paint. I, like, like, I'm I like just thrashed. on that bandwagon that I with fur now leather and wool is completely different for me. Um, and that's what I was going to say is that my thoughts are, cause I read the statistics. So I've been curious when you've been looking into, cause I don't know if this is true or not, but when you've been looking into buying a fur, like, do you have any stats or do you have any information about like animals that are raised solely for and killed solely for fur versus, um, fur that's being used as like the byproduct from an animal. No, Even I don't have fur it is a byproduct in the first plate too, but you know what I'm saying? Like when it was yeah, like harvested yeah, yeah. for meat and then it's like, we're you know using the leather or the fur afterwards. I think most furs, like if you're going to do minks or foxes or anything like that, it's going to be just for the fur. Yeah. I, I don't have any statistics on that, but I did. Um, when I went to an animal ag Alliance summit a few years ago, the, you were not at this one. Um, they had a guy on stage who had like a mink farm and I feel like listening to him talk completely changed my perspective on the fur industry. Um, 
they had animal activists come in and did over $1 million in damage and killed tens of thousands of mink that ultimately just died like inhumanely because the of animal activists, activists killed them. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, I, so I, again, cause I've just never like appealed to it. I knew very little about it. I wasn't even under like a couple years ago, Jay Hill toured a mink farm and he was the first person that like opened my eyes to like, Oh, they, they do just have like animals that are raised solely for fur. I naively did not think that. And so I guess my stance, but again, this is coming. I am in the shoes of what frustrates me about other people is when they're making assumptions and have never heard someone speak about it or never actually toured one or seen one. Um, so I'm like in, I feel like in a hypocritical spot, but I do, I think I do have a problem with animals just being raised for the fur. Like I, I think fur should be a meat byproduct, not the main focus, but I I'm coming from a very uninformed stance on that. I think it would be interesting to see if your opinion would change after you talked with someone. And I also, um, I don't know. This whole thing is just, I think it's just like a segue though. Like how soon before California passes a law that says you can't have leather. Like, I think that is where I get really nervous is like, this is just like, it's just one, every time they, you know, gain something that tells us what we can and cannot do. Like, why is there a law saying Californians can't buy fur when they were spending $129 million a year on fur? Like, who is who to tell you that you can do that or not? 100% I agree. So my my actual note I wrote down is fur should be a meat byproduct, not the main focus. But government restricting what resources we use from animals, really, I like have a problem with that. And I am very concerned. Like right now, this law does not apply to, you know, other animal products used for clothing, such as leather or shilling. Um, but that's not to say that's not the next step. And the fact that they mentioned leather and like, I was like, you, it just, it was like the writing on the wall already of where the humane society is going to go with it. Yeah. Uh, I, yes. I probably agree. Like that's their next thing to tackle, which then, um, also bothers me because, well, I thought in the intro, when you said, a quote about, or you were like about her quote, I thought you were going to point this out. She ended it with, um, as well as potentially help drive innovation for more sustainable fashion alternatives. And we know the most alternate, like the most sustainable thing you can do is use the byproduct from the animal, all of it. Um, so it's just, I'm so frustrated by the fact that if they do start going after leather and, and, shearing is even different because that, that puts you in like, then what do we do? We have to shear sheep. Like we know that we know it's like inhumane to leave the wool on sheep. And so it's like, then what do we do with all of that, you know, wool that we're sharing? But it's like when we're using even fur included, when we're using the fur and the leather and the hide and the sharing, like all of it, um, we're not, we're not creating the plastic byproducts that you talked about. Like we don't have any of the synthetic materials that are end up in landfills. Like we don't have the, like we're not even getting into like the sweatshop conversation of like how those oh, other alternatives are absolutely. made. Like, and she put that in her statement, like her quote, I was so, and she ended it that way. I was so, I was very upset. <laughs> very upset with her. I know. I want to start a movement in California that says we are going to ban the sale of synthetic fibers because they end up in our oceans. Like what, mm-hmm. where, who are the people like raising South California? Yeah. So Sorry, all of our California listeners. Sorry. This is not directed It's not towards you. It's not, not, it's not, not towards you. you. Um, <laughs> so to wrap up this conversation though, you can still buy secondhand fur or like used fur. And yes. actually, so Santa Fe, New Mexico is a huge place for leather and fur. So I'm going to Santa Fe in a couple weeks and I'm going to do some shopping there and I'm going to go because apparently you can get 
phenomenal coats secondhand. So that's that's actually I'm going to go do some market research there next. Can you wait until I go with you and then I I mean I I don't I was going to send you like what dates we're coming. You want to just like fly on down? I'm yeah. flying straight from I have to be in Utah to speak and I'm going to fly straight from Utah I think to Santa Fe. And the kids are going to go skiing with Dan and I'm going to go fair shopping. So Love come on down. <laughs> All right. The third industry news piece you guys need to, know, need to know this week. Title, red meat is not a health risk. New study slams years of shoddy research. I love that they use the word shoddy. It made me so happy. Oh, snaps for this study. This is All phenomenal. Right. So in a new unprecedented effort, scientists at the University of Washington Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation scrutinized decades of research on red meat consumption and its links to various health outcomes, formulating a new rating system to communicate health risks in the process. Their findings mostly dispel any concerns about eating red meat. Quote, we found weak evidence of association between unprocessed red meat consumption and colorectal cancer, breast cancer, type 2 diabetes, and ischemic heart disease. Moreover, we found no evidence of an association between unprocessed red meat and ischemic stroke or hemorrhagic stroke, end quote. So happy to finally see this study because we have all known the research on this was shoddy from the very, very beginning. And... They also, I think one of the things that really irks me about these studies is they over like state the statistics. Like they'll be like, oh, it's a 20% increase. And this is something actually Big Sky Caroline gets into in her reel. So we'll share her reel to the Discover Ag stories. But it is an increase from 5% to 6% if right. you eat meat. And that they say 20% increase because 5 to 6 is a 20% increase, even though it's actually only increasing you 1%. The so- other side is so good at skewing things like that. It makes me, I mean, I'm like, good job, you know, but I'm so mad. Like, it's not fair. It's so unfair for people who don't do the research to see, like you said, that five to six, it's only a 1% increase. And even that it's like, um, so sustainable dish actually does a really good job of talking about this in her book too. Obviously not this exact study, but the idea she's using the same, like, which we'll kind of go through, but like the flaws and all the research out there. And she talks about how basically it's like saying, you know, two pennies is more than one penny, but it's not a lot when compared to a dollar, you know? And so even like some of these things, it's such a low statistical significance, but they're still quoting it. It's just completely, it's, it's not fair. It's not right. Well, and a lot of it is just observational studies. So that was a big thing in here. Like it's not, it's not, you're not like, you're just studying based on what people are telling you they're eating, not what they're actually eating. So like, I literally cannot tell you exactly what I ate even yesterday, like let alone like Saturday, no idea. can't remember what I ate on Saturday. So you're asking people to tell you months and years of what they've been eating. Like, I just like, I don't know that. How is that's so flawed? It's the same thing we talked about too in the uh, Life from Puerto Rico episode with the blue zones. It's correlation, not causation. And you can't, I mean, that's basically what a majority of these food studies have done because it's so hard to singular, like put people in controlled settings and that everything is the same except for the diet and then feed them these two. So it, it, none of them are like, um, scientific peer reviewed or anything. They're all just uh, correlation and you can't, do causation from correlation, but everyone somehow skips over that step. Yes, that is um, not to keep going back to Big Sky Caroline, but she was saying like 
increasing ice cream consumption and shark attacks has like a correlation and it's because it's summer. There's more shark attacks because more people are in the water and more people are eating ice cream. Eating ice cream does not mean you're going to have a shark attack. Like it's literally the exact same thing that people are just like, oh, well, this happens and this happens. So this must be causing this. And it's not. I also thought this study did an interesting job with their rating system. They gave like a star rating system and it was like one star shows there is no association. Like two stars is like a little bit of an association and then all the way up to like five stars. And they found not a single study above two stars that like there was very little association between eating meat and it causing cancer. So the way I understood it, that's the new rating that they is like now being introduced. And, and I kind of clicked on the link and it went back to, I think it rolled out like the end of October. And so now we have this new, um, let me see, I wrote it in my notes, the burden of proof studies. So essentially what this is, it's a new way to assess the evidence of risk using the function. Any researcher can evaluate published data for a certain health risk, then using the function compute a single number that translates to a one through five star rating system, one no association, five strong over 85%. And like you said, when they then took these studies and put them into this new rating system, they have it ranked them at the two, which is like zero most ranked one. Yeah. Most of them rank one star. And I think they said one study was two stars. So like literally no hard evidence at all. I feel like though, I mean, I th- I'm not surprised. I'm I'm just glad it's finally like coming to light in this way. I hope this gets picked up by like mainstream media and is like shared oh. a lot. I haven't seen a ton of movement on it. Though, yeah. I love that wish for you. Yeah. Actually, I'm maybe not, I'm take, not even going to deep dive that because when we get to the Lucky Charms conversation, I have a lot to say about that. I was just so. going to say, maybe we can take Joe Rogan in it and he could post about it and then it can go viral. <laughs> I know. Seriously. It wouldn't surprise me if Joe Rogan shared something like this, though. Like, I could get, see him doing that and then it yeah. would go viral. All right. Let's do it. We'll do it. Yeah. We'll tag All right, it. I feel like that brings us into how we're going to wrap up the episode, which is giving you guys an update on tough. So... For old listeners and new listeners, um, Fox ran a three-piece news article on Tufts. Um, the quotation is government's new food pyramid. And that's kind of causing an uproar. Um, well, for some people, because they're kind of misspeaking and misquoting. So it went, Fox News was first to cover it. Then it kind of went viral on social media from a couple different accounts. One of the main ones being Joe Rogan. Um to go backwards though, we originally covered this food compass tough study in back in August and episode 28. So the background on it is that there's this food compass, which is a three year comprehensive review of nutrient profile of a bunch of different foods. And the basic criticism that came out of that and what we kind of talked about in episode 22 is that some processed foods like frosted mini wheats or lucky charms rate higher, which means healthier on the scale than simpler foods like cheddar cheese and ground beef. So I think Everyone can see why there's like issues with that. Um, um, no, everyone cannot. <laughs> when I posted this on social media back in August, I had so many hate comments of like, well, yes, it's fortified cereal. So it's obviously healthier than me. And I'm Whatever. not kidding. I had dead serious. I can like show you the comments. It was ridiculous. I got in a full blown argument, like fight in the comment section of my post that people were defending this study. I'm shook. I can tell your face right now. <laughs> like I actually have nothing to say. To I don't even YouTube. know. I don't know what I would say to a person that told me that. I literally was like, you have to be kidding me. Like, cause you know, tone gets lost. And I was like, oh, is this like satire? And they a were like, sarca- no. Like hashtag sarcasm. <laughs> and they were like, no, this is, this is like, makes sense. 
because do you know why? Because there's a study out there saying that red meat causes cancer. So they, that was their back, their basis for them saying that you shouldn't eat meat. So I don't think there's a lot of people who agree with this food compass. Oh, wow. Just when you had hope in the American nation, you know, I know. I mean, if you go to Joe Rogan's comments, I would say they're all fairly positive. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense in his like audience of people who are following him though. I agree. I mean, it is ridiculous though. You look at it. So, and then in another episode, we cover the white house. So the white house had a food conference where Mm -hmm. they discussed and the guy who created this food compass was one of the directors of the white house food conference. So the issue, why this is getting brought back up again is because Fox, like I said, when they aired it on whatever, I don't know if it was like Fox business news or main news or whatever it was. Um, they quoted it as saying the government funded a new food pyramid. Um, and that's not correct. So Ty Beal, which we, I feel like we've referenced him before on the podcast. If we haven't, I know I have like shared many of his, I've, um, t- tweets on my Instagram stories because Twitter is kind of his main platform, but he's a, well, nutrition, is he a, would he be a scientist? I don't actually know his official accreditations. Do you? I, yeah. Like a food nutrition scientist, I think, or something. Along anyway, I've actually like thought about maybe trying to get him on the podcast. We've, li- I've listened to him at a couple different conferences. He is full of so much knowledge. He was actually involved. I wasn't aware, but he is the reason why he is, um, adamantly like kind of having this conversation about like, um, you know, the headlines are wrong, which part of me is like, okay, the headline is wrong, right? It's not the new food pyramid. That's like one of the main issues is it's not a food pyramid. It's just a study. It's not a new government food pyramid. Part of me is like the concern behind it is still real. Like you said, there are still still people who believe lucky charms is healthier than meat. There's still the concern that like these studies could dictate policy and change food regulations. Um, so I'm like kind of not upset that it's going viral. Cause like more people need to know that there's a study out there that is actually showing this, but also for, as an industry that gets headlines at us a lot, like catchy headlines like that, that are wrong and not looking at, you know, just not being factual about it. Part of me is a little bit upset. Be like, cause I'm also like, they're putting more fear out there. Right. And you and I know we have a strong stance on like, like fear based marketing. And I feel like more people are going to be like, that's fearful to me if it actually was a government food pyramid, you know, that's more fearful to me than being a study. So I don't know. Yeah. I think though, I think some of the, I still think this concern is valid though, because the guy who put the study together did like head chair, whatever it's called the white house food conference and the white house food conference. The last time we had one, as we know, is 50 years ago. So it's going to dictate like it could dictate a lot of things for the next 50 years. What our kids eat in schools, what we feed in hospitals, like a lot of those like government, like food programs. And so while it was not, is not a new government food program, I feel like it is, it could potentially be. Does that make sense? Like, yes. Yeah. So, so I feel like even though the headline was, is, is misleading, it's definitely like clickbaity. It all is valid concerns. So I want to, I want to read, Ty Beal actually created a pretty good thread on there. It has like four parts that I want to read for everyone because I feel like he basically sums it up really well. So his first one is, I share your concerns about the study, Joe Rogan. That's why my colleagues and I wrote a scientific article raising these concerns. But I want to provide a few clarifications for you and Fox News. Was the bar chart a government-funded recommendation chart produced by the authors of the study? 
No, the bar chart was not created by the authors of the study. I made the chart using select values from the paper to show questionable ratings and raise concern about the approach, which I was not aware of. So we actually unintentionally took part in this kind of in the beginning because that bar chart that you and I shared for episode 22, I was not aware, but Ty created that to show like better show people, like put a visual to the study. So he actually created another one, which I think we should put all of this in a discover post so people can actually see it long live instead of just in our stories. Um, and it does, again, I'll get into this in the thread. It does like show some things to be concerned about, but when you see like a complete bar graph, like this new one Ty put out, I do feel just slightly a little bit better about this, um, study. So then the next one is, did the government fund a study that says lucky charms are healthier than steak? Yes. A study co-funded by Danon and the NIH developed a new healthfulness metric that rates the healthfulness of foods, assigning a food compass score ranging from one least healthy to a hundred healthiest for over 8,000 foods and beverages. The scores were then classified into one of three categories, to be encouraged, to be moderated, or to be eliminated. Lucky charms scored 56, to be moderated, and steak scored 30, to be limited. So, I mean, again, still valid concern. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, where is there a planet we think eating Lucky Charms is good compared to eating a steak? And I say that as a person who just fed my kid Lucky Charms for breakfast. (laughs) I actually have them, too, because Jack's threw them in my cart. I need to pay better attention to what we're doing in the grocery store. So I actually think I'm going to (laughs) make Jack's is just in there shopping. He's like, (laughs) like, and they put all that stuff at kids eye level. And they're like, yep, that's what I want. Yep, I can grab it myself. I know. So did this study create a new food pyramid? No. The study produced a scientific paper that rated the healthfulness of foods to inform front of package labeling, industry reformulations, company ratings, policy programs, and investments. It may influence future dietary guidelines, but it is not part of the dietary guidelines process. So I think then that's what we've been saying. Like, again, anyone who saw that and was like, oh my gosh, we have a new food pyramid that's saying this, not true. But everyone who sees that and thinks, oh my gosh, we could possibly have one. Yes. That is true. That that's is what needs to be true conversation. Um, concerned about. So, so he has a couple other points in there. I mean, it's a really well done thread by him. Um, like I said, I think I'll actually make this like a hard post on Discover Ag so you guys can go read it and learn more about it. Um, one thing I found kind of surprising going back to like mainstream media is when you actually like Google this there, I know Fox news covered it, but there's not a lot of people actually covering it. And it seems so funny to me that what, who is covering is covering it now. Like this happened back in September was the white house food conference. I'm just like, why are we so late on this? And why is there not more of an uproar from mainstream media about the fact that this is happening? Like that this is being shared. I don't know. I just, I kind of like with how viral it went, I'm just can't believe more news pieces aren't covering it. Like mainstream. You know, the moral of the story though, the moral of the story is that discover ag is there from day one for you guys. We, we are covering this. it. <laughs> we covered this in August. We were there. We were not Fox news coming in hot with a wrong headline in January, a year later, you guys, we were there day one with the right headline. So that, I mean, I think that's the real takeaway from this, honestly, not, yeah, not in terms of the stake, just about how you guys trust, how trusted discover ag is. We are hard hitting journalists at this point. Like I just, <laughs> like, I'm going to remove podcaster from my LinkedIn and put journalist, like uh, reporter bringing you the news, current <laughs> <Yeah>. investigative journalist, <laughs> retired pharmacist. Yeah. Retired scientist turned journalist. Like that is our new headline. Who would have thought? 
<laughs> oh, all right. Well, that's all we have this week for you guys. So thank you so much for listening to Discover Ag, where every Thursday we cover the top three industry news pieces you guys need to know this week. If you guys enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it or leave us a review. It helps other people find us. Um, and so it really, it goes a long way and we really appreciate it. If you want more of this during the week, you can also follow us on Instagram at discoverag underscore at Natalie Kowarik at Tara Vanerdusen. See you next week. 